I would love to know how many of us in the room, how many of you are personally and ultimately responsible for Thanksgiving dinner? Let me just see the show hands. If you're responsible for the meal, raise your hands up high real quick. We're going to have a special time of prayer for you. <laughs> Man, that, that is, you talk about the pressure. Now, here's an interesting question. How many of you who just raised your hand, how many of you, this is your first Thanksgiving to be responsible for the meal? Let me see a show of hands. Anybody? Couple up there? Man, you're going to do great. <clears throat> you know, a few years ago, our family started a tradition of frying turkeys. How many of you have ever fried a turkey? Now, here's another question. How many of you have ever caught something on fire frying a turkey? We started this tradition, and... I loved it. I, I love, like, I love fire. I like cooking stuff. It's, it, that's fun to me. And, and the first time that I ever fried a turkey, you know, I, I kind of did the homework and figured out how big a turkey to fry, how many people we would have. I did all of the, all the stuff you needed to do. There was one little step in the process from, from buying the turkey to serving the turkey, one step that I did not give enough time for? Thawing the turkey. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever, like, it takes a long time. That's like a solid chunk of meat ice. Well, we, we finally got it thawed and we ate a lot later than we planned on eating. You know, the Cowboys had already finished their game and we were into the second, third game of the night. But we finally had the fried turkey. And I'll never forget that that feeling that everybody in the room was waiting because I was responsible for the turkey. It was, it was kind of, it was overwhelming. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I just, I've never forgotten that moment when I was responsible for the meal. And, and I've thought about that because not everybody in the room, how many of you are, have nothing to do with the Thanksgiving meal this week? Let me see a show of hands. Man, that's just smart. That, that's, that's where it's at. That, those are the people who know. You know what those people are like? Those people are like when you're on somebody's ranch and you're in a pickup truck, those are the people who sit in the middle. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you sit in the middle, you don't have to get out and open the gate. So th that, those are the people who show up at Thanksgiving like, good to see you. Where's the food? Smart, smart people. But there's a different type of Thanksgiving menu that every single one of us is responsible for. No matter where you are personally, no matter what your culinary background skills may or may not be, there's a Thanksgiving meal that we are all responsible for. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look in the book of Colossians, chapter number three. In Colossians chapter three, the Bible gives us a, a menu of things to include in a, in a meal spiritually of thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 12 and, and then go through verse 15. Colossians 3 verse 12, here's what it says. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor like you mean it with thanksgiving, passion, and enthusiasm. Get your thanks on. It says, be thankful. And as I was reading through this, I thought, if you look at that as a, as a list, it's really a phenomenal recipe or menu for thanksgiving, for, for how to be thankful, how, how, to, how to put it out there. So I want to ask everybody, if you will, take out your program that you got when you came in this morning. Go ahead and take your program out. And on the message notes page here, Hopefully you'll do it better than I did. But right here, I want you to just start a list, a list for the Thanksgiving menu. The first thing on the menu, it says, is clothe yourselves with compassion. Compassion is the first item on the menu for Thanksgiving. Now, compassion is a word of tremendous strength that I don't think we emphasize and make strong enough. The word compassion is, it's not like, oh, like some of you when Gus came out here a minute ago, you were kind of like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not going to be potty training a puppy over the holidays. <laughs> That's not compassion. Compassion, it, when you think about compassion, compassion is choosing, you, you choose to feel with, you're feeling with somebody. That's compassion. It's choosing to it's what's known as empathy. Empathy is empathizing. You're putting yourself in somebody else's shoes intentionally and deliberately. You're feeling with somebody. And, and that's easy to do with somebody that you like, somebody that you love. Man, you, with somebody we like or we love is struggling, man, we feel it with them. We're like, man, I'm so sorry. I have a close personal friend who is in the middle rounds of a rigorous regimen of chemotherapy right now and he and I are on the we're texting back and forth between Houston and here all the time and I'm checking in on him and praying for him and I'm thinking for him and there's part of me is like I can't even imagine what that's like what he's going through he, this is a big strong guy he's he's robust in his faith and yet he's going through this and I feel for him but what about the people you don't like what about what about the people in your life who are just kind of hard to get along with? Now, of course, I'm not talking about anybody who's coming for Thanksgiving. I'm just talking about people we know of. Anybody know anybody hard to get along with in the world? Can I just see a show of hands? Okay. What if, what if you prayerfully and deliberately tried to raise your, your EQ, your empathy quotient, for that person who's tough to get along with? If you kind of step back for a second and go, I, I wonder, because here's, here's something that, that I've noticed, and I didn't make this up, but it's so true. When you see somebody who's hard to get along with or, or somebody who goes out of their way to, to hurt other people or to belittle them, without exception, you can just remember this, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people are the ones who hurt other people. 
So when you experience that, when you see that, you, you need to step back. And, and it's okay to be angry at the behavior. Sometimes that's appropriate. But, but let's take that to the next level. Don't, don't just stop at being angry and going, that guy's a jerk. And she's just mean as a pit viper. Think about how they got there. Why, why is that? And, and when, you, when you embrace that kind of compassion, you, you're, you're taking that empathy to the, to the next level. And, and you're, you're going, okay, there's a reason why. And so I'm going I'm to put on compassion. I'm going to choose to feel with. Doesn't mean that we have to excuse the behavior. Don't misunderstand me. A lot of times people are like, well, you know, they went through a lot, so they just need, you just give them a free pass. No, you don't. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to engage, but you do have to choose compassion. Choose to look beyond the surface. The second thing on the menu is kindness. Kindness. Now, here's what's really important. I, one of the things that drives me absolutely batty is this notion that Christians are supposed to be sweet. Just, just all about, especially men. Men have gotten this mixed bag of messages for the last two or three generations that, that the, the ultimate goal of being a Christian guy, and, and let me say this before I say that, I know women get a lot of mixed messages too. I'm not saying that men have it tougher. Don't send me that email. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying for men especially, we've been told if, if you'll just be sweet, just be a good guy, that's the goal of the Christian faith. No, it's not. Don't be a jerk, but don't be only sweet. Be kind. The word kindness in its original meaning is actually a verb. It means doing noble deeds. Doing noble deeds. Being, being a person, man or woman, who is doing noble deeds. That just makes you want to mount up on your noble steed, doesn't it? Doing noble deeds. You're intentionally being kind. My good buddy David Hughes down in Florida. David is a strong leader. He's a strong pastor. He's one of the kindest people I have ever met. But you want to get David hacked? This is crazy. I've seen it happen before. David will get angry if someone else is unkind. He's, he's, he will easily, quickly stand up and defend somebody who's being wronged. Kindness is not weakness. Kindness is actually a strength. So, so kindness is, is this doing of noble deeds. The third item on the menu for Thanksgiving, humility. Humility. Now, humility is not thinking less of ourselves. Humility is thinking of ourselves less. There's a big difference. The Bible says that we are made in the image of God. We are worthy in the name of Christ of the love of God. The King of kings and the Lord of lords knows you by name and he loves you unconditionally. Don't minimize that. Don't minimize your value or your worth to God. But understand your value in humility. Understand that your, your value, your worth comes from God. And when you understand that, then you, 
You humble yourself before God. You humble yourself before other people. To humble yourself means that you assume intentional modesty. Assuming intentional modesty. This next one is perfect for Thanksgiving. How many of you have family coming or you're going to spend time with family over Thanksgiving? Let me see a show of hands. You're going to want to write this down and put a star beside it, all caps, underline, highlight it. Patience. Patience. You know, the second time I ever fried a turkey, I left it in the fryer a little too long. And it came out, it looked beautiful, golden brown. It looked like it was just awesome, but it had been in the fryer too long. I had trouble keeping the temperature at the right level, you know, because you got it's, it's gas and it's up and it's down, yada, yada, yada. And, and because it was in the fryer too long, it, it, it dried it out. When I went to slice the turkey, I, I felt like Chevy Chase in, in Christmas vacation. <laughs> it was like dusty. And... Julie looked at me and she goes, we need more gravy. <laughs> Everybody gets gravy this Thanksgiving, whether they want it or not. May I suggest to you that patience with family at the Thanksgiving menu, patience is like gravy. Patience is going to make everything else palatable, no matter how it's been cooked, no matter how it's been prepared. Patience. The word patience, it actually, again, is a verb and it means that you endure. You are unyielding in, in your resolve to endure. You're, you're patient with people. And, and so if I could just give you some, some a suggestion, I wouldn't call it advice, but a suggestion for Thanksgiving. Look at your family as an opportunity for Thanksgiving. Every person that you're with is an opportunity to give thanks a good friend of mine told me this about 10 years ago. I'll never forget this. We were on our way to the small town where he grew up for a funeral for his family. And on the way to this funeral, he was kind of giving me the roster of his family, telling me who all I was about to meet, who, you know, who played what position in the family, who you know, had kind of run off as the black sheep of the family, who was a little bit crazy but was still going to be there, and we you know, we'll just kind of smile. And, and he went all the way through this, and as he's telling me about his family, I'm kind of going through the roster of my family. I go, yeah, we got one of those too. Yep, yep, got one too. Crazy? Oh, yeah, we got plenty of crazy in my family. And all the way down. And then when he finished telling me about everybody at the funeral, he just stopped. He goes, you know what I've learned in my life? Everybody's got family. I want you to think about that for a second. Everybody's got family, which means everybody's got some crazy Everybody has some crazy in their family. Don't raise your hand, but you know what I'm talking about. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, my family's not crazy, that means you're the crazy one. <laughs> but, but to have that, that patience and, and to choose to engage. I'm going to steal something that Julie said at Fearless Mom this past Wednesday. I want to challenge you. Do, do this and watch what God does in your heart, not the other person, in your heart. Choose somebody at Thanksgiving dinner that in your family you don't get along with particularly well and sit next to them. Choose to endure a Thanksgiving meal with that person and ask them questions about themselves. 
Here's, here's, here's the thing about all, we all love to talk about ourselves. Ask that person, how was your year? And, and no matter what they say, just go with it. You know, they may be kind of hyper negative. They may be, you know, like, man, this year was great. I made more money than you'll ever think about. That's fine. I'm going to be patient. They may, you have no idea what kind of can of worms you're opening up. But watch what happens when you choose to engage people that you normally don't really gravitate toward with patience. God will do something for you and in you, I promise you. And not only will he do something in you and for you, he will also, if you'll just choose to kind of be there in the moment with that person, watch, God's going to give you some entertainment value. God's going to give you some stuff. You're going to get home and be like, honey, you're not going to believe Uncle Fred. Listen to what he told me. I really enjoyed my time with him. And he's, I mean, so I'm just telling you, that's there for the taking. Patience. Also, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Without being funny or making light of it, we all know that few people can wound like family can wound. And some of us, walk into those settings at Thanksgiving, and it's not funny, but you're there. In that moment, choose forgiveness. Choose forgiveness. Forgiveness is giving a gift to yourself. Forgiveness is giving a gift to yourself. Forgiveness is not something you give the other person. They may not ever feel like they owe you an apology, or that they've ever, they may never become aware that they've done anything wrong. Forgiveness is when we choose to let go of bitterness, of resentment. Because when we hold on to that, it's only poisoning us and the relationships that we actually value and want to be healthy and well. So letting that bitterness go I had a conversation recently with a couple that had been through some incredible, incredible hurt. And, and, and the wife asked me, she said, I feel bad because I have to keep re-forgiving the same thing over and over again. I was like, don't feel bad. That means you're human. That means that the subject came up again or that thought came into your mind again. It doesn't mean that you didn't forgive them before, but it means that you have to decide again to release the resentment. You have to re-release the resentment. Forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. And man, especially if you're encountering family over the next few days, just, just keep, keep that in the frontal lobe. Keep that where you can come back to it again. The next item on the menu is love. I believe with everything I have, the most misunderstood word in the English language, love. Because love actually means to lift or elevate the other person. If you look at the actual word for love, it comes from a German word. Who knew that the Germans would come up with a word for love? The German engineers. To love means that you lift 
you elevate the other person. You lift them up in your mind and in your heart with your words. You, you put on love, and, and love is the thing that makes all the rest of this stuff work. Love is, is the one ingredient in there that has to be there because remember what it said, love is the thing that makes all these others a virtue. This covers everything. Peter tells us in the New Testament, love covers over a multitude of sins. It's not just that, you know, little happy emotion, I love you. Some of you thought that about Gus. He walked in and go, I love that little fella. No, you don't. You're not up with him in the middle of the night. I love him. I'm lifting and elevating Gus's needs above my own. Love is, love is active. Love is, is choosing to elevate somebody else. And then peace. The menu's not complete without peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That means that you focus on the provision and the personality of Christ. You focus on the provision, what he has provided you, what he's given to you. That's why communion is so powerful. It, it draws us back to the bottom line, the bottom line of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. We think about what he's provided. He's provided us forgiveness of every single sin we've ever committed or thought. I mean, wow. And because he rose from the grave, we know that he wins. We know that he wins, and if we follow him, we win. Now, there'll be battles and skirmishes along the way, but the victory is ours because of what Christ accomplished. And so we focus on the provision. We focus on the personality of Christ. We, we, the, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus is good. And we focus on that. And we, we let that, we, we kind of sit and, and marinate and meditate on that. Don't be afraid of the word meditation, by the way. There are a lot of people who use it in kind of freaky ways. The Bible says that I will meditate on your word. I will meditate. The word became flesh. I will, I will meditate. I will think about Jesus, his provision, his personality. And then at the very end, it says, and be thankful. Be thankful. That is, that is an imperative verb. That's a, that's a command. Meaning, thankfulness is a choice. Thankfulness is intentionally expressing gratitude. So here, here's what I want you to, I want to give you some homework for Thanksgiving week. When you wake up tomorrow morning, think about this when you go to bed tonight. Make yourself a note if you need to set it on your phone, however you need to do it. For the next week, the first thing you do is express gratitude. The first thing, be grateful. Lord, thank you. I woke up next to Julie. Lord, and not you, that's mine. <laughs> Lord, I'm grateful for this day. You know, the book of Lamentations, 
Lamentations, the book of Lamentations says, great is thy faithfulness, your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Morning by morning, every morning, start with gratitude. Start your day, get your thanks on. Now, I'm gonna tell you right up front, probably tomorrow morning, my first thought, the first thing I'm gonna think tomorrow is probably gonna be, Gus needs to go out. Because that'll be the first thing I hear is him barking or crying in his crate. But I'm also going to be thankful. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to be grateful for everything that God has done, everything that he has given. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power but thank God, thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord, Jesus Christ. Thank God, that's, that's not an expression. That's not a cliche, that's a command. That, that's an invitation to engage the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and be intentionally grateful. The Thanksgiving menu, it's there for the taking for anyone because everyone is responsible for our own Thanksgiving menu. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what challenges you're carrying with you right now what hurts. I don't know what, what victories you might be experiencing right now or celebrations, but I do know this, that Jesus Christ gives us the victory. His grace is amazing. And what he did on the cross and in his resurrection is effect, is facilitate the forgiveness of every sin and a relationship with God. To not just know about God, but to know God, to love Him, to, to experience a relationship with Him is what Jesus did for you, what He did for me. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a brief moment. And in this moment, I want to invite you, I want to ask you to just consider that fact, the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and that he rose again with the promise of new life, the promise of victory. And as you think about that, I want to ask you just to very, very honestly, but directly address this question. Have you responded to that fact? 
Have you chosen to respond to his grace initiative and follow him personally and definitively? And, and just so we're clear, the answer is yes or no. It's, it's not one of those things that you can kind of ride the fence on. If you know that your answer is yes, then I want to invite you to be praying. But if you know that your answer is no, or maybe you're unsure, then we want to give you the opportunity to turn that into a yes. Just to pray right where you are, a prayer of beginning, a prayer of commitment to him, to follow Christ. If that's you, then I want to invite you just to pray right where you're sitting. Just silently talk to God and say something like this. Just say, dear Jesus, I need you. I choose to believe that you died on the cross in my place. And that you rose from the dead with the offer of a new life. And right here, right now, I accept. I choose to receive the gift of your grace, of your forgiveness. And I will follow you from this moment forward. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this fact. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this new life. And I pray this prayer in your name. I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed for another second. But if that was your prayer, this is the biggest moment of your life. And as a church, we want to help with what comes next. And so I want to ask you to do a couple of things just so that we can help because this is just the beginning for you. And this, this gets us excited as a church and as a family. If you just prayed that prayer, then I want to invite you to open up your program inside of the Connect card and just begin filling that out just quietly right there where you are. Just start filling it out. You'll notice right underneath the contact information is a place to indicate I committed my life to Christ this week. And as you fill that card out, that card initiates a conversation, a conversation that goes at whatever pace works for you, like I said, with what's next. It's too important to leave it in this room and in that seat where you are right now. But instead, take the next step. Take the next step. There are people surrounding you right now who, who just want to help. 
once you've completed that card, you can tear it off at the fold. And before you leave, in just a second when we dismiss, you can fold that card up and just hand it to one of our ushers, one of our hosts. The other thing I'd ask you, if you would, just if that was your prayer today and you meant it, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand and hold it up high in the air for a second. Just kind of stamping this moment in your life and in the life of this church because there's nothing more important to us. This is why we exist. And so as a family, we celebrate and honor that with you. And our family tradition is that you can go ahead and put your hands down, but we're going to put our hands together and tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.